Credits Due, the podcast where we break down an actor's filmography one movie at a time. I am Ben Cron, and joining me today is Tyler Owen. Popping those pimples. And Neil Potter. <laughs> Be prepared for the worst Philip K. Dick interpretation you've ever seen, ever. Mm. Mm. Oh, wow. I, I, I don't know what you're talking about, Neil, because the movie <laughs> we're talking about today is the 2007 movie Next. It's, 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 it's directed by Lee Tamori. Uh, it stars Nicolas Cage, Julianne Moore, and Jessica Biel. Uh, it is about a Las Vegas magician who can see into the future, is pursued by FBI agents seeking to use his abilities to prevent a nuclear terrorist attack. Ooh. Wow. The stakes oh could not be higher. <laughs> <laughs> um, as always, we will... Uh, Start off with some film trivia about the movie. Then we'll dive into our full spoiler-filled discussion on Next. Then we'll end with some final thoughts on Julian Moore and some recommendations. So, Tyler, why don't you start us off with some film trivia? Yeah, so uh, there's not much interesting trivia about this movie, so we're going to play a new Shocker. game called Critics Said What? Oh! <laughs> All right, so I've got four quotes from various movie critics about this film next. And you guys are going to have to figure out which one I made up completely. I didn't just change a teeny thing here or there. I actually made up the quote from one of these critics. Mm. All right, number one. Justin Chang of Variety said the film plays, quote, like the cinematic equivalent of a choose-your-own-adventure novel. Number two. Connie Ogle of the Miami Herald said the film looks like director Lee Tamhori, quote, spent about 12 bucks on his special effects budget. <laughs> Number three, Maura McDonald of the Seattle Times said, quote, late in the movie, Chris shouts at a bad guy. I've seen every possible end of here. None of them are good for you. It's as if he's talking to the audience and alas, he's right. <laughs> Number four. <laughs> Number four, Philip Donner of the Orlando Sentinel said, quote, if a trailer counts as viewing two minutes of a film's future, then you can stop there after watching this one. Oh, shit. <laughs> All right. Ben, you want to tell us uh, which of these quotes you think I made up? <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, God. I don't even know. Those are all really good. Um, <laughs> God, I'm going to go with the second one. Um, what was the second one? <laughs> uh, spent about 12 bucks on his special effects budget. Yep, I'll go with that. All right. I'm going to go with the first one because something positive was said about it. <laughs> was it, though? <laughs> I mean, Have you ever maybe. read a good choose-your-own-adventure novel? I don't know, Neil. I guess, I guess I shouldn't say positive, but not negative. Ah, okay. <laughs> I, I okay. Not negative. <laughs> Wait, so you think I said something not negative about this movie? <laughs> <laughs> well, you'd make it up. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, the one that I made up was the last one. If a trailer counts as viewing two minutes of a film's future, then you can stop there after watching this one. That was very convincing, and I think you should write 
professionally write <laughs> movie critic reviews. Oh, well, thank you, Neil. I appreciate that. Yeah, you bet. That. You bet. Yeah, I, I'll, I can... Professionally uh, write fake... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll just uh, make a career out of... Reviews from fake critics. <laughs> I'll make a career out of editing fake quotes into the Wikipedia pages for movies. <laughs> All right, yeah. So uh, people didn't really like this movie. No, No surprise there. Yeah, no surprise there. Um, yeah, I, I feel like we're on the same page, but let's, uh, let's just start off with kind of some general thoughts about this movie. Um, and I'll start off with just, uh, yes, as Neil pointed out, this is an adaptation of a Philip K. Dick, um, novel or is it a short story? I think it's a short story. Um, are you familiar with it, uh, Neil? I, with that short story? Briefly, in, like, looking through, like, just kind of watching this movie, I, like, read a synopsis on The Golden Man, which it's based off of. Oh, right. Yeah. And it's it's a loose adaptation. And they, mm-hmm. so it's definitely true, because this original one has mutants involved, like, oh, s- sterilizing and eliminating like mutants. <laughs> and uh, uh, this... The uh, the golden man, who's also named Chris, who has golden skin, um, oh. it possesses the ability to see into the future. Interesting. And, yes, but it doesn't say specifically two minutes. But so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That's part of the loosely based thing. But yeah, the movie gets rid of that. Almost immediately. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so uh, just my quick thoughts on this movie is, um, so so I watched this movie yesterday, so I've been ruminating on this film for the entire day, uh, which is uh, not a headspace that you want to be in. (laughs) And... So like, um, uh, I I hope that we're gonna have a good conversation about this, and I think we will. But honestly, like, um, I wish we would have just skipped this movie because I think <laughs> discussing this movie to any any to any degree and to any like amount of time is more than this movie is worth. I don't yes. think there is absolutely anything redeemable about this movie at all. It's all bad. Uh, it's, <laughs> and it is profoundly bad too. Yeah. Um, yeah. And not in a funny way. It just in a like, wow, someone wrote this, then someone filmed it, then someone edited it. And, uh, at no point were they just like, we should change this. <laughs> well, to be fair, the original studio and distributor did drop the film. It was going to be uh, released in 2006. 
and they were like, mm, no. And then <laughs> Paramount Pictures picked it up and released mm. it a year later. So Good old Paramount. I, no- I noticed in the opening credits that Nick Cage produced it. So mm. I'm guessing he had something to do with it. I don't know <laughs> oh, he if did. this was a passion project or he just wanted to make out with Jessica Biel. I'm not 100% <laughs> sure, but it's apparently, disgusting either way. Apparently he... So uh, I did pick up a little bit of trivia about this movie, but apparently he was the one who turned his character into a Las Vegas strip <laughs> magician and yeah. uh, and created the bit about Jessica Biel's character working on a Native American reservation oh, in the Grand God. Canyon. Yeah, so those, like those were his two <laughs> contributions to the movie. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Um, I, uh, let's just work Let's just work our way through this movie. Let's and let's start with Las Vegas. Um, I've got I've got something to add to Las Vegas. So, but okay. continue, continue. Um, the first thing I thought of was uh, this movie opens with uh, helicopter like aerial shots of Las Vegas, set to Elvis's "A Little Less Conversation," mm-hmm. and um, that should be outlawed. <laughs> I think everyone has done that and it is infuriating. I think it they is. actually passed like a federal law that all uh establishing shots of Las Vegas have to be set to that music. <laughs> oh really? Right. Yeah, it, it's a, it's sense. required by law. <laughs> um yeah, then uh we're introduced to Nicolas Cage. Uh, who is playing a Las Vegas mag- magician. Say his and, name. Tell uh, me his name. <laughs> I honestly... Could, Chris Johnson. No, oh, no, no. His no. other name. His stage name. Ben. Oh, my God. You can't throw, like, these... <laughs> these, like... Uh, really hard questions at me. You think I would remember that? This is the easiest thing to remember about this movie. I have literally forgotten everything else. What is it? Tell me. Tell him. Tell him. Cadillac. <laughs> it's just the Cadillac? I, well, I think it's... Is it Chris Cadillac? It's like... It, oh. I, yeah. It's something terrible. It's, it's Cadillac. Some, it's something like, Cadillac. But I'm just like, oh no. <laughs> It's oh, so bad. God. That was Nick Cage's idea as well. Had to oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, on the one hand, like, maybe that's what they're going, like, they're kind of going for that, right? Like, the cheesy, mm-hmm. terrible, oh, like, Las Vegas magician. is terrible. It's yeah. absolutely terrible. Yeah, like, yeah. he just works at a really shitty, like, casino that's probably not even on the strip, right? <laughs> that uh, is actually my tidbit. It's not on the strip. Not, <laughs> okay. Not to get not to get too inside baseball here, but I work oh. with the Las Vegas casino companies in a in an offshoot oh, way. <laughs> so, uh, the one casino he walks into is on Fremont Street, which is not close to the Strip. However, when he walks out of that same casino, it's a strip casino. Not possible. It's not possible. Oh, oh, so, do they say it's the Fremont? Do they show it's the Fremont? They sh- the Fremont you, is in the background. Know? Oh, okay. I saw it, but it's he doesn't actually walk into the Fremont, but it's on mm. Fremont Street. Mm. Hmm. Yep. Well, add that one to the mistakes on IM, IMDb. <laughs> not worth it. I'm not even going to type it out. 
um, and then of course uh, Julianne Moore is introduced in this scene as well as she is the FBI agent who know who is like convinced that that this guy can see the future and then I did like her her like assistant or her partner who was there at, at um for the show and he was just like not having it it was like this guy this shitty magician yeah um (laughs) so i have a question (laughs) i feel like i need to raise my hand this is just uh so like how did how did they establish that they found him and determined that he can see the future okay Uh I don't know, but my second thing I ever I wrote down as a note was Julian Moore made a very big assumption that Nikki just knows the future. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, apparently she. It's. Im- I don't think it's ever said, but it's implied that um, that she has been watching him, and mm-hmm. that like somehow because he um, he says he gambles a lot and so he kind of like uses um he kind of like uses his like his uh future telling to like know when to um pull the lever on a slot machine or like you know to know when like what cards are going to come up uh when he's playing like blackjack or something mm-hmm. um and so she, it it sounds like she has been following him for a while um, for they never See, explain. I just like, I don't buy that because, like the the fact that the casinos haven't caught on to him, but the FBI yeah. has. That yeah. is like there's no way that ever happens. Like the entire his entire like uh, voiceover narrative of how he does what he does and gets away with it makes mm-hmm. zero sense. Like there is no casino in the world that does is not like noticing when people are winning even a little bit more than they should. Right. And like they would, and he works at a casino. They would know who he is. They would know to like mark him as like, now he, even though he's only won like a, a small amount, relatively speaking, he wins it like every week. Right. Yeah. At different casinos and the casinos talk to each other like that. It just, I was like, there's no, no way that they my don't dude, already know who my he dude, is. You got to the the amount of problems with this movie. You got to give it a little leeway. I know. I I even like, contemplate. I'm constantly. You even skipped over me for general thoughts, and I literally just like didn't say anything because I was like, I don't know if I want to talk about this film very long. So let's just get this over with. Um. Yeah, so then, uh, yeah, he gets into this, like, big problem. Uh, oh, he stops someone from shooting, uh, from shooting two people in the, um, in the casino. Mm-hmm. Um, which, uh, uh whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and then that kind of leads to this big chase, and then that's when, like, the FBI gets on his tail, because now he's, like... And now they have all the footage, the security cam footage of mm-hmm. him like actually doing stuff. Um, and then uh, all that leads to Ju- uh, Julian Moore and Nick Cage finally uh, meeting each other. 
um, the two big stars of our movie in one scene, <laughs> finally. And uh, that's when Julia Moore says that she has been searching for him because she needs help finding a nuclear bomb. <laughs> and... Sorry, what just, does, just saying it out loud is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> what does our hero, who can see into the future, say to an FBI agent who asked for his help to find, I repeat, a nuclear bomb? Mm. He says... <laughs> No, thank you. <laughs> I've been having visions of this hot chick at a diner, and I'm going to go to a birthday party with her. That's literally what happens. <laughs> yeah, and it, not only that, but they didn't actually meet. He uh, yeah. has that conversation with her in his mind future, and then... It rewinds and he's not there when she comes in. And so she, they never actually even meet. <laughs> Wait, who? Julian Moore and... Julian Moore, yeah. He... Oh, no. I thought he left, like, mid-conversation. I nope. When he... Oh, really? He nope. F- so he flashed back... So we watched the them beginning? have a conversation in his mind for two minutes as if he stayed. But mm-hmm. then he... He's like, when he says, oh, gotta go... That's him in the present time saying it and leaving before she walks in. Oh. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> I thought she was standing there when he leaves. Uh, I thought no. it was mid-conversation. Well, he does leave in his yeah. future mind, but then she then walks in and asks the guy who was there. He, he, she's like, he was, I'm just like I, seconds yeah. too late or whatever. Ugh. Yeah. Um. Yeah, there was a, a lot of problems I had with this movie where, like, I just missed something. Um, the villains of this movie, I definitely thought were FBI agents the entire time. <laughs> and I was just like, it was like an hour in, and I was like, wow, they still haven't introduced the villains. And then, like, when the villains came on screen, I was like, oh, I know them. <laughs> Yeah, they just have this, like, division of the FBI that are run by, like, foreign <laughs> foreign people with accents. There's barely any scenes with them, though, right? Yeah, that's true. No, There's, like, two really. tiny scenes where they're like, we have to find, them before, find, find him before they do. Mm-hmm. And that's about yeah. it. Yep. Um, yeah, this, the, what really, so this, so they introduced that, Julie Moore is trying to find this nuclear device that is going to presumably explode. Um, and Nick Cage just is uninterested in helping them. And they don't set up... Like, the only setup that... The only reason that the movie gives Nick Cage to not help is that there's this cute blonde in a diner that he wants to bone. Like, that's honestly, that's the only reason. I think and he also, he also mentions that uh, he's worried that they will, like, experiment on him and mm-hmm. make him a prisoner or something. I don't know. It's not clear to me if in some point in his past, they someone did catch him and do things to him. But I think it's more of just him being, like, paranoid that he'll never be free again or something. 
Oh, yeah. It makes yeah, a lot think, of sense. <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, I mean, the alternative is a nuclear, you know, yeah. bomb going off, so whatever. Not the, not the most empathetic hero. When... Uh, so so then he goes to this diner and he meets um, he meets Liz played by Jessica Biel and there is this infuriating scene where he is constantly he is seeing the future and you see like three or four outcomes of him approaching her and and like attempting to start up a, com- a conversation mm-hmm. and they all f- they all fail. Yeah, he's testing out his pickup lines. Mm-hmm. And I was just... There was a moment where I was like, this is the rest of the movie. Like, this, <laughs> the rest of the movie is him trying to pick up this girl. Because uh, <laughs> it goes on for so long. Yeah. Uh, and, my God, I can't believe it. I've never... I don't think I've ever seen a movie where... Um, the movie sets up the stakes, sets up the main plot of the movie, and then the movie also just lets the main character say, no, thank you. I'm going to do something else. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I'm going to draw a weird comparison here, but um, I feel like the the time-travel-y future shit in this movie is such a middle finger to the audience constantly <laughs> just constantly like the this entire movie is oh what's happening right now is important and then like literally 30 seconds later no it wasn't yeah. <laughs> no, nope it wasn't <laughs> you thought that was happening but it wasn't <laughs> and that's the whole movie and like the the other movie i thought of while watching this was edge of tomorrow and how that's kind of what that movie is, but done like a thousand percent better. And yeah. I, I can't even well, really pinpoint why. Well, it, that's true. But... It's fun action that you're getting, so you're getting something out of it. When right, and I, yeah. I think maybe the maybe the real difference is like, th- so Edge of Tomorrow has stakes where there's a thing that's going to happen, and if they don't stop it. They there are real consequences, mm-hmm. and every time that they fail at like going through this uh, the sequence, it sets them back, right? But with this, there's none of that really. It just is. It, there's just like he constantly can rewind and do whatever he wants, and you're not even sure if what you're watching is the real timeline or not and that comes to a epic conclusion (laughs) where it literally just erases like half of the fucking movie Mm. and made me want to throw the remote at my tv (laughs) which apparently only happened the that entire sequence only happens in two minutes because they they do so no they do so many setups where it's like he can only see two minutes in the future and then, well, but he did say he he can only see further than that when he's with that girl. Oh, okay. So since, because he saw several days into the future when he saw her at the diner, and so he kept going there, and then he can see further when he's with her. But they don't really fucking care why yeah. or 
even bother to explain what importance that has to anything. This movie screamed. Uh, it really feels like the filmmakers were just like, we don't have to explain it in this movie because it's going to be so good that the audience is going to demand a sequel. And then we'll just we'll explain all of it in the sequel. Well, I don't even know if they thought that. Was, uh, no, I, I honestly think it's just like, just don't fucking explain it because we're going to get a sequel. God. I, I just can't believe, I honestly can't believe that there are people who are still out there writing stories and movies and books, like, that think that a, oh, it was all a dream is a, that's smart writing. Mm -hmm. Like, that is the laziest, most insulting finale of anything. To just be like, nope, oh, like, and I want to say when it's done, at its best, it's actually a commentary on st- storytelling to say that oh, well, it doesn't matter because it's a it's no ma- stories matter. They didn't really happen, right? <laughs> but like that is so rare that anyone actually achieves that level of meta commentary well that any other attempt just is just utter horseshit. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it so much. <laughs> I hate it too. And when you partner that with some terrible haircut nick cage who's real rape who's real rapey and disgusting oh my, like, oh my god it just makes us so gross so the scene in the diner so he's testing out all of these like pickup lines before he's just like ah, oh, i don't have one that works and then he waits just a little bit longer and then this like ex-boyfriend or something comes in and like he starts seeing like stuff that he's saying where it's like this boyfriend is being essentially just like he's about to be to her (laughs) so this guy was stalking her like is wants to like forcibly touch her like this and this and then nick cage is supposed to come up save the day old cadillac comes up and is just like nah why don't you get out of here pal i've been stalking her a lot longer than you (laughs) like it's just weird and and all of the relationship stuff in this is the most disgusting weird stuff Mm -hmm. i've ever seen the most unrealistic thing in this movie is that jessica biel would be attracted to nicholas cage My one of my notes is just Jessica Biel will fuck any ma- magician. And it's just, <laughs> <laughs> I liked when when they go to that She's birthday right. party and the kids are like, "Is he your boyfriend?" And she's like, Psh, "No." And and she's like, "Why would you say that?" And it's like because he looks at you the same way uh, my sister's boyfriend looks at her. And then they like <laughs> she looks over at Nicholas Cage and he's just like posing <laughs> looking at her. Yeah. Just, when that scene happened When that scene happened, it cut to him and I immediately just made like a <laughs> sound effect because <laughs> like, that looked like what he was saying. Oh god. I was still reeling from because uh, she they get together because she agrees to give him a ride to uh, wherever. It doesn't matter. But she's like, I just need to make a quick stop. Like, it might be one or two hours. And I'm like, oh, God, where's this going? <laughs> and then they go into the middle of nowhere. And she, like, starts talking about her job. And then she pulls a, like, birthday present out of her bag. And I was just, like... 
I yelled, like, you're going to a birthday party? <laughs> because yep. it, it is just so insane that <laughs> the movie would just sideline the nuclear the nuclear bomb plot yep. to go to a goddamn birthday party. At a Indian <laughs> reservation. <laughs> Yeah. In the where, she just, where she just teaches Native American kids. Yeah. Just guys. Oh, God. Um, the the movie that I kept thinking about um, while watching this movie uh, was The Fugitive. Uh, you guys seen that Harrison Ford, Tommy Lee Jones movie, The Fugitive? Uh, it's been a long time yeah. ago, but I think so. Yeah. Uh, to refresh your memory, The Fugitive is about... Uh, Harrison Ford, his wife gets killed, and he is framed for it. So he mm. goes on the run and becomes a fugitive. And Tommy Lee Jones is a cop who is tracking him down mm-hmm. and does not know uh, the uh, Harrison Ford knows that he's been framed. The audience knows that he's been framed, but no one else knows that he's been framed. Right? So it's a big chase um of Tom Lee Jones trying to track down Harrison Ford and bring him in for murder, right? This mm-hmm. movie is a lot like that in the sense that, like, it's just the entire movie is Julian Moore trying to track down uh, Nick Cage. But the problem is that in this metaphor is that the fugitive, it's like if the fugitive... Um, if Tom Lee Jones knew that Harrison Ford was framed but was still spending his entire efforts trying to track him down instead of the real killer mm. um, but then also yeah. he was also holding off on trying to stop a nuclear bomb at the same time <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah the the scenes where it's Julianne Moore uh, like with her team and talking with her FBI boss She's like at one point she she's like, I think we need to dedicate all of our resources to finding this guy who can see two minutes into his own future. Mm-hmm. And the dude's like, All right, let's do it. And I'm like, bitch, you haven't even convinced me, the audience, that you need to do that. And you like <laughs> that is just so inane. I it, I don't understand. And I think one of the other uh one of the other reviewers I read that I almost added the quote for said that uh Julianne Moore just looks always perpetually angry in this movie as if she lost a bet to be in it. <laughs> and I feel like I feel like that's very accurate. She she doesn't do a bad job, but boy does she have nothing to work with and like the best she can do is smolder the whole time. She's really channeling uh Clarice Sterling in this movie. Yeah, definitely. Um and yeah, the script the script gives no I mean this is just a terrible script and it gives no mm-hmm. one like anything but her especially it's just like Jesus Christ like what I feel like it, what a shitty this, role. Uh, this was gonna come out the year before so it would have come out I think before Children of Men Ooh. and I can't help but think when it got Dropped. She was like, "Oh, thank God!" And then someone picked it back up to release after Children of Men, and she's like, "Fuck my career!" No. <laughs> uh, luckily for her, I, th- I think a lot of people forgot about this pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fortunately, um, 
Ugh, yeah, Jesus. Um, let's talk about Nick Cage for a second. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> um, so this movie came out in 2007. Uh, this was a banner year for Nick Cage. Um, mm. Four movies, including this one, came out. Um, and I, I would put money on that you guys could not possibly guess the other movies that came out. Oh, God. Mainly because... Um, when I read, uh, when I looked up what movies came out, I was like, I thought these movies were way older than okay. 2007. Uh, the first one, um, is, do you want to make some guesses? I, I'll make a guess. Uh, do it. I'll guess that one of them was Matchstick Men. Am I right? No. No? One was no, Matchstick Men. 2003 was oh, okay. Matchstick Men. Um, mm. So the first one is Ghost Rider. Oh, wow. Yeah, crazy, right? <laughs> um, oh, God. Then there's next, and then National Treasure Book of Secrets. Right? Oh, is wow. that the sequel? Yeah, that is the sequel to National Treasure. Okay. Which National Treasure, I actually like that movie. It's, I don't mind I do the too. first one. Yeah. I do too. It's fun stupidity. Um, it's got Sean Bean in it. Yeah. Yeah. Who doesn't die, right? Or does <laughs> I he die? I don't remember. Does he get locked in a tomb? Uh, then the fourth <laughs> yeah. one, which I think is his best performance out of all four of these, is as Fu Manchu in Grindhouse during the one of those fake trailers uh, oh, where wow. we're women of the SS. <laughs> which I think is directed by Rob Zombie. Rob Zombie, yep. That's amazing. And I'm not even sure if he has lines in that movie. I think it's just one shot. And it's one of those, like, you know, in trailers where they're like, and Nicholas Cage as Fu Manchu. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, look that up on YouTube. It's pretty good. <laughs> Those trailers <laughs> in that movie are pretty fun. Um, okay, and then, uh, God, uh, how, what else do we have to say about this movie? Um, I, that the, the end is bullshit. I don't know yeah, what else to say about the ending. About... So, yeah. the ending, he finally, uh, so, um, uh, fucking what's her face Jessica Biel gets kidnapped like kind of randomly like I don't even quite know exactly how uh yeah she got yeah at the, I got up to get a drink real quick I came <laughs> back and she was kidnapped all of a sudden so I was like what the what the fuck yeah you blink and you miss a lot in this movie um so Nicholas Cage finally like joins together with uh with the FBI because now his girlfriend is has a bomb strapped to her, you know. So now now he finally decides like a nuclear warhead about to go off in the middle of LA. Like that's fine, you know. Like that's not a problem for Nick Cage. But now his girlfriend is now his girlfriend has a bomb strapped to her. So now he's going to jump in. I mean, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I just have a lot of problems with this character. <laughs> he has, um, 
you know, with great power, power comes great responsibility, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you guys have heard that old adage? Yeah, I, th- I think so. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Nick Cage does not know that, and it really <laughs> frustrated me. So I, I like. I mean, the fact that he can only see two minutes into his own future, I feel like could have been played up. Where this could this whole movie could have been a great like parody of a heroic power mm-hmm. person, you know, like I just love the idea of the big uh, crazy threat is like a nuclear bomb going off like freaking twenty four style, and we've got the FBI and terrorists after him for his skills, and the whole time he's like, guys, what I can do is like a glorified parlor trick. I can only see what I'm gonna drink for breakfast when I wake up. You know, like mm-hmm. it's, <laughs> I just that would have been way more interesting to me than what oh, we yeah. got. Like that, the whole movie is set up to be a parody of itself, but they play it totally straight, mm-hmm. and it's infuriating. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, you can see it totally. Like, uh, oh, Jason Bourne can't help because he's off. You know doing something and James yeah. Bond can't help because he's fighting like Jaws on a space station so the what only a- person that can help us is and then Mr. Bean walks in like that's <laughs> that's what this movie should have been yeah yeah like it needs like a sequence where someone's just asking him what he can do with his power and they'd be like so can you see like what's gonna happen when uh, when you die and he's like no 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 I, I can only see two minutes into the future and then he's like well can you see like what I'm gonna do when I leave here, and I'm like, no, I can I can only see my own future. I can't I can't see anybody else's. <laughs> just like, what a shitty power, man. That sucks. <laughs> hey, look, I can tell you what's on gonna be the next channel on TV. That's pretty <laughs> sweet. <laughs> yeah, Doctor Strange Love is on the next channel. I know that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So when he's in. A moment that I a sequence that I actually kind of thought was cool was when they're going to stop the bad guys and like Nick Cage is like calling out where everyone is and like he knows when someone is gonna like uh, turn around a corner and shoot at them so like he mm-hmm. he's like telling these FBI agents like you know to shoot to shoot like there and then a person pops out I like mm-hmm. kind of thought that was cool. But, like, also just the action in this movie is just poorly shot. And so it was just like, yeah, it's a smart idea. I was like, oh, you're the, a clever movie. The the splitting, uh, like, visual where you see him split off into all the possible futures. Like, he, he views a bunch of different paths he could take. Like, mm-hmm. that was a cool idea. And, it, it like, it kind of looked cool, but... At the same time, we just watched like 14 Nicolas Cage's walking in a shitty leather jacket. <laughs> yeah. you, you know, like it was like, I, I want this to be cool, but it's not like, why? Why is it not cool movie? Why? And they also <laughs> never do that. Like the way they show his like f- future scene is mm-hmm. is different. Like every time. Um, yeah. Well, and that that's part was maybe the quote-unquote coolest because it didn't fuck with the audience like we let we understood oh he's going into the future to view it right now this isn't actually happening like that it was the one time that we weren't being screwed with and i feel like that's why we're like oh this i actually kind of like this part where they're not treating me like shit you know uh yeah and so the uh they save his girlfriend uh you know they stop the bad guys and 
they're all cheering and like that's the end of the movie right like they did it they saved the day right Mm-hmm. Uh, nope. They open. Uh, <laughs> they open the shipping container, and they just see like a wooden pallet. And oh no, the warhead has been moved. Um, and then that's when Nick Cage says, "Whoops, I screwed up." And and boom, giant explosion, and everyone dies. <laughs> and then he wakes up uh, in back in his bed. Uh, where he's in a postcoital um, state, and that's what that's true. It's true. Don't don't say it. (laughs) And then, and then you're like, in a good movie, like this would have been end of second act. Like this would have been like, oh shit, you've just seen the the warhead explode, kill an entire city. Like now you get it. Now you get the stakes. Like um, the entire audience have known the stakes for this entire movie, but now the main character knows. And then we're in the third act. We go. We stop Thanos. We get the Infinity Gauntlet. We save the entire <laughs> world. Right. <laughs> but no. He yeah. Like I mean, goes to a coffee shop and he's like, Julian Moore, I'm going to help you. And she's like, All right, let's do it. And then credits. <laughs> Roll credits. <laughs> so, so uh, that that giant rewind that gets us back to almost the halfway point of this movie. Like, I think you're right, Ben. You really, you really only get to do that once in a movie. You and they've already done it to us by this point, like three or four times, where they've tricked you into thinking something was actually happening when in reality it was just his mind. And they even like, they even pull like the biggest boy who cried wolf thing here because they prime you with the idea that he can only go a few minutes into the future. Yeah. And so by the end of the movie, you're like, well, none of this could possibly be rewind because it's more than two minutes. And, but then they do it again. And it's just like, you you can do it once and it can be like, ah, oh, you got me. But now that it reveals something interesting, like, oh, he failed to stop the b- big thing. But now he's going to, like, try harder and become a better person and care more about the people around him and not make the mistakes he made in his his dream reality. Right. Mm-hmm. But no, it just ends. And it's just like <laughs> that is so it it's not even like. It's not even disappointing. It's just, it made me hate the movie, hate the people who wrote it. I, I just, I, okay. And so here's the other thing. I legitimately had this movie confused with a movie of his that comes out like two years later mm-hmm. called Knowing. Knowing, yeah. Have, have you guys seen this movie? No. I have not seen that one, no. It is a movie. So the I did not look up either of these movies before watching it. I just assumed that this movie was that movie in my mind. I had seen both of them and gotten them confused in my head because they're both so bad. And so <laughs> when this movie ended, I was triply confused because I was like, well, now, wait a minute. 
I remember there was like a giant fire and a flaming moose at the end of this movie. What happened? <laughs> I was like so excited for that other shitty ending for, in knowing and I didn't get to see it. So I was like triply disappointed. Oh, <laughs> God. sad. If you, you want to see a movie that ends with a flaming moose, then go watch Knowing. Oh, I have been missing out on this. Yeah, I'll have to check. <laughs> um, also, the yeah. difference between since I did uh, allude to Infinity War. I just want to make clear the difference between this movie and Infinity War is that they were filming the sequel to Infinity War when that movie came out. And like, <laughs> yeah. that's why I, I like kind of, I said that like this movie feels like they were going to get a sequel. Like they thought they were going to get a sequel because like none of the Jessica Biel stuff is addressed. Like the main plot is about stopping the nuclear th- nuclear threat is never concluded and so like that's why I feel like I feel like oh they were like banking they just did a lazy job because they were banking on getting a sequel like that's I really felt that way you and uh, Man, you. I, I feel like have, that I is mean, props to having that much balls but like <laughs> I almost feel like that's giving that's giving too cynical of an approach to what I thought this movie did, which is I I honestly think the people making this movie thought that they were going to like upend the action film genre and make like a character piece where the mm-hmm. the hero, the the hero's true moment of like the true climax for our hero is that he realizes he needs to use his powers for good. And that, that is the resolution that you, you, everyone can have their part and, and do the right thing at the right time. And like, I don't think they were going to do a sequel. I don't even know. I think they were like trying to be artsy as shit and it just was awful. It just was really awful. (laughs) Oh God. (laughs) Um, all right, let's get into final thoughts. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, for every movie, we give uh, Julian Moore a rating of uh, from one to five Julians, what we thought, how she did in this movie. Um, yeah, I, I feel like we're going to be unanimous in this, and I'm going to say one to five. Wait, I'm going to say one Julians for this movie. Um, I thought it was awful. Um, it's garbage. I mean, please, like, you know, we talked about Children of Men last time, and she was only in 20 minutes of that movie, and and we talked about, you know, why we ended up talking about that movie. And, you know, Children of Men is a movie that, like, you know, when we, when we, you know, we use this platform, like, when we talk about movies, like, I think the idea is that, like, if it's a good movie, like, our audience will go and seek out that movie, right? So, mm-hmm. like, the movies we talk about should be interesting um, in some sense of the word, whether it's good or whether, you know, there's something worthwhile about that movie. And I think that there is absolutely nothing worthwhile about this movie. And if anyone watches this movie because of this podcast, I will feel really, really bad. 
and uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, um, oh, also, we never brought up the meme that this movie made uh, of Nick Cage uh, dodging the sniper bullet. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm sure you guys have seen that GIF, right? Of him. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's terrible, and, wildly flailing. Yeah, and when I saw it, I was like, "Oh, this is there's that meme. This is that movie that it's from." <laughs> All right, Neil, what are your final thoughts? Um, it's it's just so bad, so dumb. Uh, he has just terrible haircut. Nick Cage is always <laughs> shaving in this movie too. Yeah. I don't know if you realize <laughs> he shaves like three times. <laughs> uh, and for that, I'm giving it one. <laughs> just for that alone, you know, one out of five. Julian Moore's. Uh, Julian Moore didn't want to be here. She's just. I don't know. She's just as dumb as everyone else in this, really. <laughs> so it's just not good. Yeah, I'm with Ben. If you if you watch, listen to this, and you're like, "Oh, I want to see what they're talking about," you know, don't. Just don't. Like you're <laughs> fine. Not checking this out. It's fine. Watch something else, <laughs> please. Yeah. Tyler. Yeah. I. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna agree with you guys. This is a, a one Julian. This is. This is a, a, a not not good movie. Um, I think Julian Moore. In most of the other movies that we've done, where <laughs> we would say it wasn't a great movie, we I feel like we all still were like, yeah, but Julian Moore was still pretty good, and, and in fact, maybe she was even the highlight. Here, I she was just. I don't know if it was just poor directing or like editing or what but no one is making her look good here and not even her like she i don't i don't know if she just was like phoning this in because she knew it was going to be bad but i can't even recommend it just as like a oh yeah but she still was good because she's not she's really just not um i i had a similar feeling as you ben when we when I was thinking about having to talk about this movie, I was like, oh God, do we have to? Like, <laughs> this was this was the first time watching a movie for this podcast where I was just like, I'm upset with the premise of our podcast. I'm upset that we, <laughs> that we did this to ourselves. It just is not worth it. And um, it should be scrubbed from the internet. Just don't don't allow anyone to watch it. Um, take it off i mean this is the pro i mean the problem is that um i didn't i had never seen this movie before and i didn't know much about it if i had seen uh -huh. it like we would have skipped it and you see know. it's funny i think i might have been the one who was like yeah let's keep it on there because i literally thought it was knowing <laughs> and uh knowing is a bad movie but is one of those bad movies that's fun to talk about because mm -hmm. it's so batshit insane um yeah, so just maybe that's part of my recommendation. If you want a really bad Nick Cage movie that's fun, uh, go watch Knowing instead because there's way crazier, cool CGI shit going on and and bash it insane ending with like I, I guess I'm who cares? I'm gonna spoil it. There's aliens and no one knows that it's aliens until literally the last five minutes <gasps> and it's crazy. Comes out of nowhere. Um, yeah, it's it's stupid, good, bad. Yeah. 
Solid. <laughs> so yeah, it might have been my fault that we watched this movie instead of knowing because I literally confused the two. <laughs> hey, I'm fine with blaming you. I'm fine with I'm uh, yeah, fine please, with yeah. Let's get into some recommendations. Let's hopefully talk about something good. So, Neil, what do you got to recommend for us? Absolutely. I've got the uh, Netflix kind of like little anthology animated series of Death, Love and Robots. Uh, It's a collection of animated little featurettes that are all I think the longest one might be like 20 minutes, if that 15 minutes, super short, super breezy. Um, All of them are completely different and not all of them are home runs, but like the first four and then kind of scattered throughout are all awesome like it's without getting it's totally not safe for kids work all that like it's extremely vulgar lots of gore like the first one is like it's got some of the goriest shit i've ever seen in my life uh (laughs) it's got like nudity and stuff in it so i mean uh just take that in mind if you're gonna uh, well, give it a watch and, but and also you might not know this but this is a, a this series is one that netflix netflix is experimenting with for episode order so oh, yeah. episode order is not the same for everyone so for me the first one was like the most family-friendly one um <laughs> which was the three three robots in the post-apocalypse or whatever oh sure sure yeah that's that was episode two i think for me maybe yeah so I, they flip I, it around for everybody oh i wasn't aware that was a thing well yeah this is is going to be a lot harder to refer to that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So um, the first one I saw was like um, it was like a, a like it was like a battle thing where like you got you put your mind into like this beast thing and you'd fight them in like a cage fight kind of thing and people would take bets on them and then like there's like the main chick antagonist of that and like this weird corporate guy and like I, I that I mean it had like a cool it, like some of the animation in this is some of the best animation I've ever seen like oh there, dude that episode is gorgeous I love that one oh it's so insane uh and and that's not the only one that has some of the most impressive CGI like ever like I don't <laughs> it's it's pretty incredible and um there are a couple of I guess another few standouts was um yeah, the three robots one was good. That one was called Sunny's Edge, um, I believe. Maybe I don't know. The titles are going to be a bit hard. Uh, and then there was one where called Suits, where it has like a bunch of farmers, and they all have to defend their farms from like yes. this alien invasion with like giant mech suits. And that one was up there as one of my favorites. It's um, Hillbilly Pacific Rim, and it's yeah, fucking amazing. Exactly. It's, it's amazing. Incredible. Yeah. I loved it. Um, there's, like, a funny one where, like, yogurt takes over the world. Like, that one's just a <laughs> short little funny one. Um, and then one of my favorites was this one called Zima Blue, which had a really cool, like, animation style, but it's all based around, like, this color blue, and, like, I'm not going to give it away because it's kind of got a cool, like, premise to it, but it's, like, an artist who is obsessed with this color, and you find out why at the end. That's, like, really interesting. I haven't watched Um, that one yet. Oh, it's super good. Uh, But, like, I highly recommend it. It's got... It's so cool, like, but not all of them are home runs, but, like, they're all... None of them are bad, I'd say. Uh, They're all pretty good but i definitely check it out uh death love or love death and robots 
is what it is. Cool. Yeah, uh, my wife and I started watching those the other night. We, uh, when we need to do laundry, we usually pick something like you. We usually like watch YouTube videos or something that we don't aren't too invested in, so that we can like not watch the screen and just fold a bunch of laundry. <laughs> right. And we watched like four episodes in a row and didn't fold shit because we were so engrossed. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's really good. I I had highly recommend it as well. Cool. Uh, Tyler, uh, what do you got? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm going to recommend a YouTube documentary series. This is a, a YouTube channel called No Clip, where uh, they are a crowdfunded video game documentary channel. And um, all of their videos are excellently excellent and incredibly well produced. But I'm going to specifically recommend a full-length documentary that is about the um, Half-Life series of games. Um, Notoriously, the um, some of the like best and most inventive first-person shooters in history, and we have we were kind of promised a future installment of that uh that has just never come and it's been like over a decade now and it'll probably just never happen hashtag Um, fuck gabe fuck gabe yeah yeah. (laughs) i mean say what you will about the the current state of valve but uh, this documentary is not it's not about Half-Life 3 or Half-Life 2 Episode 3 it's not about uh, what could have been it's about what was it's about the impact that the first and second Half-Life games had on video game and popular culture and it goes through and has interviews with a bunch of people related to the development related to uh, or just people who are like doing things today that are like ostensibly 100% inspired by their experiences playing Half-Life when they were younger, like getting involved in the game industry or doing creative things uh, that are game tangent, you know? Um, and so it's like this celebration of these incredible games. And and Half-Life 2, I, I was too young when Half-Life 1 came out to really... Uh, dive into that one and play it but I played Half-Life 2 the first year I was in college on a laptop that I bought with some money to for like a school laptop and it was the first time I'd really had a PC that could play decent games and I played Half-Life 2 for the first time and it was just like holy shit this is I, I don't think people realize like just how big of a like paradigm shift that game was um, and you can kind of relive that through this documentary. Um, yeah, so it's No Clip is the channel, uh, the production company. They do incredible stuff. Uh, check out their other videos too, but I highly recommend their Half-Life documentary. That's awesome. Half-Life was such a big part of like mine too, so I'm pretty excited yeah. to, to, oh, it's to great. do that. Have you played the Black Mesa stuff? I know they're finishing it up pretty soon, but it's like... Uh, they've remastered the first one with like that. Uh, I've heard oh, great the, things like, about that fan mod. Yeah, yeah. pretty okay. much. Yep. Yeah, it's like a, a complete fan uh, HD remake, basically. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, I've I've heard great things about it. I've kind of just been sort of paying attention a little bit and just to know that it's still going along. But I kind of want to just wait until it's done 
and then experience Legit. it all the way through for the first time. Ooh, yeah. Uh, because I yeah, like I mean, it. I I would love to to get that other half of the story because I I feel like I just kind of jumped in in the middle of that hype train, you know. And so right, um, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how that turns out. But yeah, that's really cool. Cool, very cool. Yeah, I love No Clip. They're awesome documentaries. Yeah, um, yeah, and they're all on YouTube for free, so yep. it's very cool. Uh, I'm going to make two TV show recommendations. Uh, very quickly, I'm going to re-up a recommendation that I've made in the past, and that is the TV show AP Bio. Um, I talked about it on a past episode after I watched the first season, and now the second season is airing. And it is... Um, I think there are only four or maybe five episodes in, and this show is fucking hilarious. I am <laughs> so in love with it. It's so funny. Um, the second season, they don't really change the formula all that much, so it's kind of more of the same. But it's just like it, they are it, – it, it's like every episode is just constant jokes. It's so funny. I'm – just shocked at how just incredible this show is and just it this second season it just gets better and better with each episode so um i'm watching it on hulu they they put the shows up the morning after it airs so um that's how i'm watching it and uh man it is is some incredible stuff. So if you haven't watched AP Bio, uh, get on it. And is this the this is the guy who is in Always Sunny? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's Glenn Howerton who played Dennis yeah. in It's Always Sunny. Um, gotcha. Yeah, there's a um, there's an episode in the second season because Pan Oswald plays the pr- uh, principal at the high mm. school. Um, there's an episode where they both get on the um, Toledo's uh, top 100 bachelors um, <laughs> list, <laughs> the, the, like newspaper, and uh-huh. um, uh, you know Glenn Howerton is he's a former um, Harvard professor, so he totally thinks that he like doesn't care about it, and he thinks that he is like better than it. Until he finds out that he is 89th uh, in the top 100, and Pan Oswald is number eight. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so yeah, incredible. It's just so incredible and funny. Um, the other one, uh, I don't know if you guys knew, but Game of Thrones is coming back on, so it's officially HBO season. Uh, so i've been catching up on a bunch of hbo stuff um in the past year that i haven't that i just missed and one of those is true detective season three um this is the like detective anthology show which the season the first season is like one of the best seasons of television i think that's that's out there. I mean, you cannot go wrong with that season of True Detective. Mm-hmm. And the second season is not good. <laughs> really, <laughs> really bad. Uh, 
But the third season is it's very like a return to form. Um, it's very like a slow burn. Um, I'm only, I think I'm halfway through, and it's very like focused on um, the like the investigation the like crime that is um at the center of the show more so than um the first two seasons that were like very focused it was like a character study of the um of the detectives and Mm -hmm. i imagine that this is all like set up that like the second half of the season that i haven't watched yet is going to be a more of that character study um that you kind of expect but um, it's really fascinating. I think the hmm. investigation is like really interesting. Like, I think it's based on like real events, or like in- it's inspired by like a couple real investigations. Um, but I mean, this is something that like uh, it, it feels like something that you would see in like a true crime you know, documentary. Like it's something that's, it's really fascinating and it has a lot of like twists and turns that kind of keep you guessing. And the like main reason though, to watch this show is Mahershala Ali, who plays um, basically the main character, the lead detective uh, in this show. He um, is incredible. Like, man, he like, he is such an incredible actor and I feel like he's just like hit it out of the park in like everything he's done. But then like, but watching this, he plays this character in like three different ages. Like there's, it's like him in his like late twenties and then like mid forties and then like late eighties, I think. Um, Hmm. and man, just like, seeing an actor portray a character like that in like three very very different stages of a human's life and like getting it down perfectly and like making it feel like it's the same person and not just because you know it's the same actor but like it feels like the same human and it's incredible um Hmm. so is that a common thread through the three anthology series, the the time jumps? Um, well, the first one, I mean, you'll remember that. Yeah, yeah. But the first one is like, it's them older um, being deposed by. Uh, right. Um, about the case. And then, but the first one, the other two timelines, like, uh, they didn't coincide like they just kind of there was like a a like time jump at mm-hmm. um, like halfway through the season. Um, the second season I don't think had it at all had any of that. Okay. So this is definitely different that you're seeing the like three timelines kind of all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is it seems like they're really leaning into that from the first season a lot more. Hmm. Um. But yeah, I mean, this, if 
if you haven't watched True Detective, I mean, Marshala Ali, his performance is like the reason to like watch this show. Um, I think, you know, he won an Oscar just a little bit ago for uh, Green something, Green Book. Is that what it's called? Yeah, that's the last um, one that came out. That's Green. <laughs> uh, thank you. Um, <laughs> Which I think I did not see that movie. Um, a lot of people, there's a lot of hate for all the um, awards love that movie got. But like, yeah. I think if he, if Marshall Ali doesn't win like a bunch of Emmys for this performance, like next year, um, I mean, I think that it's an outrage because he is, he is just so incredible in this movie, in the show. Awesome. I mean, um, also, Scoop McNeary is in this. You know, if that's not enough, Scoop McNeary <laughs> plays uh, who obviously everyone knows Scoop McNeary from Batman vs Superman. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, where he played that <laughs> the guy who got that building jumped on him. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that important plot point of uh-huh, BBS yeah. DOJ. Um, but he's this incredible character actor who. I mean, when he pops up in anything, it's just like you got to watch it. And he's pretty <laughs> incredible in this movie, in this show. Um, uh, all right, so yeah, um, yeah, that's it. So yeah, when you're subscribing to HBO for Game of Thrones the next two months, uh, don't sleep on True Detective. Get back on that Veep and Silicon Valley. Oh, my God. Veep. I'm ready. I'm ready for my annual HBO subscription yes. for two months. Let's do this. Veep premiered <laughs> last week, and, yeah. oh, my God, they're out for blood. This, like, <laughs> um, it's a it's about an election again, which is, uh-huh. like, wow, perfect, like, perfect timing. <laughs> I don't know if they planned it or if it's just lucky, but, Jesus, perfect yeah. timing. Um. I won't go down feet pole though, because okay. we've already talked long enough. <laughs> it's just, it's just, just a good show. Yeah, it's incredible. Jesus. Um, all right, that's it for this episode of Credits Due. We'll have more HBO talk uh, in the future. Um, but I hope you'll join us in two weeks, where we'll be talking about our next Julian Moore movie, and that is A Single Man, which I believe got... Um, a lot of awards love uh, for that movie and I think Julian Moore got a few nominations for her performance so excited to watch that um, so it's probably better than next is what you're saying <laughs> I have actually, Fingers crossed. I've actually seen this movie and it is better than next okay. um, that's all I can confirm uh, it's also um, it's directed by Tom Ford which um, I shouldn't pull this information right out before. But I think he's like a fashion. Uh, I think he worked on like fashion design, like before getting into an early career. Um, huh. I will. Yeah, he was the creative director of Gucci. Um, hmm, interesting. So yeah, so this movie at. At worst, it features a lot of attractive people dressed 
to the nines. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah, I've never seen it. I'm excited. Cool. Um, so yeah, I hope you'll join us for that. And um, until then, Tyler, why don't you tell people uh, where they can talk to you about uh, time travel and stuff? Oh yeah, sure. You can find me uh, on my Twitter at Tyler Owen. And on my website where I make video games at randomseedgames.com. Yeah, you can find me, Neil, on Twitter at Dino Neilman. And you can find me on Twitter at Cronmaster. That's C-R-O-G-H-A-N Master. And you can follow the show um, on Twitter and Instagram at Credits Do Pod. Um, and until next time. Um, uh, until next time remember as always you're gonna let me die <laughs> <laughs> that's the only line that I can remember <laughs>